0: This is Classic Lutheran Preaching on KNNALP 95.7, Lincoln, Nebraska. This is Pastor John Schmidt with a reading of Martin Luther's sermon for the 19th Sunday after Trinity. This is from the John Nicholas Lenker Collection, published in 1905 and reissued by Baker Bookhouse in 1983. The scripture text for this sermon is Matthew chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. And he entered into a boat, and crossed over, and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath authority on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitudes saw it, they were afraid and glorified God, who had given such authority unto men. Thus far a text My friends in Christ, As we hear and enjoy this gospel every year, I hope you also understand it and know what it teaches us, and may God grant that the right life may also follow this knowledge. For the greater part of the gospel we hear only with the ear, and we know it, but do not live according to it, whereas it should be so taught that few words and nothing but life would be the result. But what shall we do for it? We can do no more than preach it and no further raise it and carry it. We must preach and urge it until God comes and gives us his grace, to the end that our words be few and that life may spring forth and grow. The first theme here offered us in the Gospel when Christ says, is thus, Son be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. These words show and contain in brief what the kingdom of Christ is. Namely, this sweet voice, these motherly and fatherly words penetrating our inmost soul. Thy sins are forgiven. In no other sense are we to view the kingdom of Christ, so far as it is understood, than how we are to live before God. As you, beloved, well know that our highest duty is rightly to establish the conscience that we may know how we stand before God and our neighbor. Therefore we must also hold fast to these words and become accustomed to the expression, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven, and like sayings of which the gospel is full. From this it follows that the kingdom of Christ is realized where nothing but comfort and the forgiveness of sins reign, not only in words to proclaim it, which is also necessary, but also indeed, as we shall see in this example. For he did not only speak these words into the ear of this sick man but he also forgave his sins and comforted him this knowledge is proper for us christians to know it is indeed easily and quickly said and heard but when it comes to the test the light is early extinguished and satan soon leads us astray as you here observe that the scribes undertake to destroy this knowledge i have often said and will say always That you should beware and properly learn the character and nature of the kingdom of Christ for you know how reason is inclined in its every movement to fall from faith and from this knowledge to works but here you see no works at all no merit here there is neither command nor law there is nothing more than the offering of Christ's assistance his comfort and his grace only kindness meets the man sick of the palsy therefore if the kingdom of christ is to grow we must keep out of it with the law and not be busy with works for it is not in harmony with it to say go out and run hither and thither and atone for your sins you must observe and do this and that if you will be free from sin but directly without any work and law out of pure grace your sins are forgiven therefore it is beyond the sphere of the kingdom of christ to urge the people with the law but we receive such things only with the ear and on the tongue, and it enters not into the depths of the heart. For sin at all times still hangs about our necks. It clings firmly to us as St. Paul speaks of this in Romans 7 and Hebrews 12. But in death we will experience it. Of this class are at present our fanatics who boast of the Holy Spirit and pretend they would do better, some of whom are also in our midst, listen to us and contend that it is not enough for us to preach only faith and love. Yea, they say, you must do better and climb much higher. How high then must I climb? You must destroy pictures, you must kill the ungodly and do whatever they propose. This filth now enters nearly every community where the gospel has just been planted. These tares of Satan will also come to us, as I have often warned you. Take heed that you remain sound in your knowledge, in the true doctrine of Christ, for this knowledge and light is soon lost. Thus I say, my friends, and would beseech you not to esteem that spirit great who proposes to you any kind of work, call it what you may, even if it would raise the dead, which they have not yet been able to do. And how is it that they say, we must kill the godless? Even if Moses commanded it that you must really do it, what sort of Christians are you then? But by this you shall truly experience which spirits are of God and which are not. For if you give me a work to do, it is not the Holy Spirit who does it, but he goes and first brings me the grace of Christ, and then leads me to works. For thus he speaks, Thy sins are forgiven, be of good cheer, and the like. He does not first insist on works, but first leads up to God through his sweet word and grace, and does not immediately refer you to do some work, but later you will find works enough to do unto your neighbor." But the fanatics soon torment us with works, and profess to have a nobler spirit. They urge and insist upon our doing something first of all, and permit faith and love to be overlooked. This of course is not of the Holy Spirit. Christ first takes possession of the conscience, and when it is right in faith toward God, then he also directs us to do works toward our neighbor. But he first highly extols faith and keeps works in the background. This they cannot understand. I would forgive them everything if they would only not patch and mend their good works to which they trust their existence, honor, and fame. I would not care about their destroying all pictures and melting cups and bells into one mass, but that they should make a matter of conscience out of it for those who do not destroy pictures, just as though the Holy Spirit or faith were not present unless this work is performed. I say this, Even if it were work, which God at this present hour commanded, I would not so insist upon it and condemn those who do not immediately obey it, and would find him some kind of protection, as that he is yet perhaps weak, and thus spread over him the kingdom of grace. Let us be conscious of the fact that the work among them is directed to God, and not toward our neighbor. They make their works a necessity, and say, If you do this, then you are a Christian. If you will not do it, you are no Christian. Where this or that is done there are Christians, and the fame follows their work that they want to be esteemed better than others. Now you have the true light, therefore be warned, prove the spirits. We do not wish to prefer ourselves as these persons do, but we boast in this, that we hear the word, Son be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. I know that I have a gracious God, but these spirits cannot do this. Therefore, it is a mere devilish apparition that they carry from house to house. In this, they lie against the Holy Spirit and blame the Holy Ghost that He is the Father of their cause. And even if the works were good, the forcing and compelling must remain in the background. Let them then keep quiet about setting us an example by their crazy works. The kingdom of Christ consists in finding all our praise and boast in grace. Other works should be free, not to be urged nor should we wish by them to become Christians, but condescend with them to our neighbor. Thus we should hear this gospel to hold fast to its expressions, so that they may be written in our hearts, that this light, this word and lamp may truly shine in us, by which we can judge all other doctrines. Thus he says to the man sick with the palsy, thy sins are forgiven. These and similar words are to be taken to heart and meditated upon, since they are nothing but pure grace and no work by which the conscience is oppressed and forced to do something. Thus with these words you must protect yourselves against false teachers. We have now sowed a little of the word, and this the devil cannot stand, for he never sleeps. The worms and the beetles will come and infect it. Yet so it must be. Christ will prove his word and examine who has received it and who not. Therefore let us remain on the right road to the kingdom of Christ, and not go about with works and urge and force the works of the law, but only with the words of the gospel, which comfort the conscience. Be happy, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. By this observe how narrow and how wide the kingdom of Christ is. Few there be who so receive the word that it tastes good to them and judge themselves by it, and who understand what is said by, thy sins are forgiven. If we are now in the kingdom of Christ, why then does he mention sin? Are sins always there? No one belongs to this kingdom unless his sins are revealed to him by the gospel. Otherwise these words apply to no one. Thy sins are forgiven. Indeed, all hear the gospel, but it does not enter the hearts of all, for they do not all feel their sins. But the gospel preaches that everything we have in us is sin. Therefore it also offers comfort. Forgiveness of sins is here. If I am to receive forgiveness of sins, I must have knowledge of sin. Forgiveness of sins is nothing more than a few words in which the whole kingdom of Christ consists. There must be sins, and if we are conscious of them, we must confess them. When I have confessed them, forgiveness and grace are immediately present. Before forgiveness is present, there is nothing but sin. This sin must be confessed that I may feel and know that all that is in me is blindness. Otherwise, forgiveness of sins could not exist where there is no sin. However, there is no lack of sins to confess, but the lack is in not feeling and knowing our sins to confess them. Then only forgiveness of them follows. But it is quite a different thing when God forgives sins than when one man forgives another. One man forgives another his sins in a way that he thinks of them again tomorrow or casts them up to him. But when God forgives sins, it is quite a different thing than when man forgives. For God condemns no one. He banishes all wrath from him. Yea, he no more thinks of the sin as he himself says in the prophet Isaiah chapter 43. Now if this wrath is gone, then hell, the devil, death, and all misfortune that the devil may bring with him must also disappear. And instead of wrath... God gives grace, comfort, salvation, and everything good that he himself is. Sin is pure unhappiness, forgiveness pure happiness. The divine majesty is great, great is also that which it forgives. As the man is, so is also his forgiveness. But you must know in your heart how great these words are in which you now know how to trust, yea, for which you can cheerfully die. But only few rightly receive these words therefore there are but few true Christians. This then is the kingdom of Christ and he who possesses it thus possesses it in the right way. Here there is no work but only the acknowledgment of all our misfortune and the reception of all the gifts of God. Here there is nothing but simple comfort. Here the words are continually heard. Be joyful let not your conscience be troubled because of sin or Because you have not done a great amount of good, I will forgive you all. Therefore it is not by merit, but it is a simple gift. This is the gospel upon which faith depends, through which you grasp and keep these words, so that they may not have been spoken in vain. For We have no other comfort of which God tells us to boast than that God says, Be of good cheer, be comforted, for I forgive thy sins, and in my forgiveness you can glory and rejoice. Here then you have reason to boast and rejoice, but not in your own works. This the works righteous person cannot do, for honor always follows, as they have said. Honor follows virtue, as the shadow follows the man. If it is the honor of works, whether man or God has commanded them, it is nothing. If it is the honor of the works God does in us, it is all right, as Psalm 118 says. The right hand of Jehovah is exalted, the right hand of Jehovah doth valiantly as though he should say, In this will I boast in glory, namely, in that he has exalted me out of death, hell, and all evil. Works righteous people have not this glory, for they have not the word. But as the work is, so is the praise. They urge and compel us to depart from the word to human work. But the Holy Spirit urges us from our works to the word. The former boast of their works, the latter where the Holy Spirit is. Rejoice internally in the heart with God that He has done this work, and they remain clinging to grace and attribute nothing at all to their own works. Thus the scribes do here. When they heard these words, they said among themselves, This man blasphemeth. For this is the nature of the holy gospel and the true word of God, where it is truly believed that it is blasphemed on both sides, and the whole world would destroy it as was the case in the time of the Apostles, and as our raging princes do now, who simply wish it were dead, entirely crushed and destroyed with all those who preach and confess it. This, however, is the least persecution. The other persecution is much worse, which takes place among us as it also did in the apostolic times among the Apostles. So too our country squires who enjoy the Gospel with us and do not want to be followers of the Pope but to be regarded as Christians, they must plunge into it, so furious they are that they boast of the gospel, and yet they trust in their works. And here the Holy Spirit must be called the devil. there the beautiful spirit. But we must venture to say, Their cause is not just. Then they will say again, Your cause is not right, for the wicked spirit does not rest unless it is praised. We have a Lord of protection. He will successfully accomplish his works. Paul calls all false spirits bold and proud. Yes, in their filth with their protectors, they are proud and impudent. Otherwise, they are the most cowardly villains that can be found. When they are to appear and answer for their conduct, they cannot produce a single answer. Among themselves, they are bold and venture to catch God in his own word. But when it comes to the test, they simply despair. But the Holy Spirit stands firm, checks their buffeting, makes us bold and courageous, comforts weak consciences, and says, Be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven. The true spirit is bashful and becomes bashful in the sight of God, as Christians do who bow before God, honor him, and are not proud. But before tyrants, the Holy Spirit encourages them, so that they fear neither tyrants nor devils, and are not frightened, even if they tore their heads from their shoulders but in God's presence they fear and tremble like a rustling leaf. But alas I see the great mass of people are only concerned about continually hearing without understanding what is said and when the time comes that they should give an answer they stand like the pipers and can answer nothing. Thus we also go forth to execution. We must endure such assaults and factious spirits and cannot change it. Nevertheless we may well comfort ourselves with the thought that we have the true foundation That our cause is right and theirs wrong. This they also know well enough, and for this reason they can never be bold except among themselves, and there they may boast as long as they please. But the kingdom of Christ consists in this, and thereby grows namely, that the conscience be comforted with the word. What else takes place through works and laws all pertains to our neighbour. I need no works before God and must only be careful rightly to confess my sins. Then I have forgiveness of sins and am one with God, all which the Holy Spirit works in me. Then I break forth with blessings toward my neighbor, as they did here who brought the man sick with the palsy to the Lord. Those were in the kingdom, or show who are in the kingdom, as the evangelist says, that the Lord had respect unto their faith. For had they not had any faith, they would not have brought the sick to the Lord. Faith precedes works. Works follow faith. Therefore, because they are in the kingdom by faith, they bring in the sick man and thus do the work. On this earth man lives not for the sake of works, in order that they may be profitable for him, for he is not in need of them. But if you do good works in order thereby to obtain and merit something from God, all is lost, and you have already fallen from this kingdom. But since you believe and continue to live, you ought to know that you live for this very cause, namely, to carry in the sick man. God does not desire the Christian to live for himself. Yea, cursed is the life that lives for self. For all that one lives after he is a Christian, he lives for others. So these also do who bring in the sick man. They no longer live for themselves, but their lives serve others. Yes, with their faith they win for the sick man a faith of his own. For this sick man had at first no faith, but after he heard the word, Christ instills into him a faith of his own, and awakens him with the gospel, as he is accustomed to instill faith by the word. Thus all works should be done, only to the end that we may see how they agree with the service for other people, to bring them to a true faith and lead them to Christ. If I tear down the pictures in churches that men may see a Christian is present, that is of no profit to the people nor does it preach how to become free from sin. But he only desires praise, which does not lift up the consciences, and only makes the people gape with ears, eyes, and mouths wide open. It is a contemptible art to demolish pictures, but to know the kingdom of Christ, that I or others may be benefited, this is well done. But you will not accomplish this, even if you tear down all the churches, but only by hearing the words, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven than by bringing others to God's Word. The Word must be enforced, it must be beaten into men. Here I must eat and drink, adorn and clothe myself, not that I may live, but that I may enforce the Word. For where the life of a Christian is not centered in the Word, it is not right. I am required to aid the conscience with the Word. I must give my neighbor meat and drink and do all I can for him in order to reach the chief thing, namely to encourage the conscience, as they do here, Who assist the sick man to recover his bodily health and although it is a kindness or work to his body nevertheless they so help him that his soul is also strengthened thus I feed the hungry give the thirsty drink clothe the naked and the like yet I do this not only that he may eat and drink but that I may secure the opportunity to tell him the word and thus also to bring him to Christ these works are outside the kingdom done to those who are not in the kingdom in order to bring them into the kingdom. Thus the Holy Spirit preaches, but the mad spirit of the separatists only desires to perform great wonders, to see and do miracles and signs. It is miracle enough that people learn by our preaching to know Christ and obtain a joyful conscience. Likewise, that I learned monasticism, priestcraft, and everything belonging to popery to be nothing is for me a great miracle. There is nothing in it when they make the charge that we perform no miracles. Although they do not shine so brightly and our ministers perform no miracles as the Papists imagine they do, nevertheless our light is pure and our knowledge correct. We surely preach the Gospel, and this they must of course conscientiously confess before each and every one, whether they desire to do so or not. So you have learned here that the Kingdom of Christ and the Gospel are devoted to the end that you may concentrate all your life whether you be wife child or husband that you may be one who brings the sick to christ and thus be of assistance to others the pharisees knew very well that to forgive sins was the work of god and belonged to him alone for this reason they regarded christ as a blasphemer who as a man pretended to forgive sins The forgiveness of sin is of two kinds. The first is to drive sin from the heart and infuse grace into it. This is the work of God alone. The second kind is the declaration of the forgiveness of sin. This man can do to his fellow man. But here Christ does both. He instills the spirit into the heart and externally he declares forgiveness with the word, which is a declaration and public preaching of the internal forgiveness. All men who are Christians and have been baptized have this power. For with this they praise Christ, and the word is put into their mouths, so that they may and are able to say, if they wish, and as often as is necessary, Behold, O man, God offers thee his grace, forgives thee all thy sins. Be comforted, thy sins are forgiven. Only believe, and thou wilt surely have forgiveness. This word of consolation shall not cease among Christians until the last day. Thy sins are forgiven, be of good cheer such language a christian always uses and openly declares the forgiveness of sins for this reason and in this manner a christian has power to forgive sins therefore if i say to you thy sins are forgiven then believe it as surely as though god himself had said it to you but who could do this if christ had not descended had not instructed me and said that we should forgive one another our sins as when he says in john twenty receive ye the holy spirit Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained unto them. And at another place, namely Matthew 18, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The word penetrates and performs it. Now, if there were no man on earth to forgive sins, and there were only law and works, what a weak and miserable thing a poor troubled conscience would be. But now when God adequately instructs everyone, so that he is able to say to others, Thy sins are forgiven thee, wherever thou art, the golden age has arrived. On this account we are to be defiant and boastful against sin, so that we can say to our brother, who is in anxiety and distress on account of his sins, Be of good cheer, my brother, thy sins are forgiven. Although I cannot give thee the Holy Ghost and faith, I can yet declare them also unto thee. If thou believest, thou hast them. They who thus believe these words praise and glorify God, even as they do here in the Gospel. That is, God has given man power to forgive sins, and thus the kingdom of Christ is spread. The conscience is strengthened and comforted. This we do now through the Word. God grant that we may also thus understand it. Amen. This has been a presentation of classical Lutheran preaching from the sermons of Martin Luther, the John Nicholas Linker Collection of 1905 and reprinted by Baker Bookhouse in 1983. Oh.